0: Amen. Amen. The Lord is good. His mercy truly endures forever, and His truth endures to all generations. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. The presence of the Lord is not going to go anywhere just because we stop verbally out, uh, praising Him. He's still here, and He's here to teach us some things with His Word. And with the words of the testimony of some of the individuals who are going to be sharing with us tonight. I invite you to turn to Acts chapter 2. and uh, I'm just going to read a couple verses. You can remain seated. It's a passage that we're very familiar with. Um, Acts chapter 2 and starting in verse 41. Acts 2 and 41 says, Then they that gladly received his word... His being Peter, were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about three thousand souls. Now we know this is the outcome of the Day of Pentecost, the Sermon on the Day of Pentecost. When Peter is preaching the initial uh, uh, sermon following the Ascension of Jesus Christ, he's imparting the gospel to them. He's answering the question, "What do we have to do, men and brethren?" What Shall we do? In, in, in other words, we did something wrong. How do we fix it? And 3,000 responded behaviorally that day and entered into a spiritual connection and relationship with God beyond where they had already been. Uh, they were Jews. They had already had a relationship under the old covenant with their God. And now they're pressing themselves into the new covenant by submission and obedience. and. The next verse says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship, in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things common. They sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Amen. This is the initial account of people becoming disciples of Jesus Christ under the newly founded church age this is the beginning of the walk with God that they had started now we know that becoming a discipleship a disciple of God begins with a call of God in John 6:44 Jesus said no man can come to me except the father draw him So every initial encounter with God begins with a call from God, and it's a call of relationship. And so many of the 12 disciples, you can look up, not all of them, but many of them, you can see where Jesus called to them. He verbally called them into relationship with him. Come and follow me. And this is a call to a love relationship with Jesus Christ that aligns to the first and great commandment. The first and great commandment. Jesus was asked, what is that great commandment in Mark 12? And Jesus answered him in verse 29. The first of all commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This whole thing, including the oneness of God and the love of God, is the great commandment, the first and great commandment, Jesus said. That's why it's so important that we know who he is. We discovered this during iLife class on Sunday night. When the gentleman who is teaching us, who has some amazing insight and principles to share, tried to describe the Godhead. And you could hear audible gasps from across the audience because we're like, that's not what I see in scripture. It's important to know, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, is only one. He's only one. And we have this call to love him. With everything that we are, with everything we bring to the table, heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's the first commandment. And so this call to discipleship breeds certain behaviors. If we are called to love him, we will love him through our actions. And that's what they did. And in this passage, there are two words I've tried to call your attention to. And that is that they continued... They didn't stop. They continued every day. They continued daily. They kept moving forward daily. And these two words explain the essence of discipleship. Now, Brother Brian, I want to thank you for teeing up this panel so well on Sunday with the message that he was sharing with Brother Mike and I what he was going to preach. He said, I'm going to preach about, you know, continuing daily. I'm like, no, you're not. Because I'm about to say that the essence of discipleship is to continue daily. So God just dovetailed those messages together. I'm thankful when he does that. It's good confirmation that we're on the right track. If God's giving things to different people, different ministers around the church, he's trying to say something to us, Me included. So if we are to continue daily, what, what did they continue daily in? First, the first thing mentioned was the apostles' doctrine. It's important that you know what you believe. Jesus didn't say, come follow me and leave it at that. He taught his disciples. He modeled things for his disciples. He imparted things to his disciples. So they continued in, in the apostles' doctrine. They continued in fellowship and in the breaking of bread. It's important that you continue in connection with the body of Christ. Uh, They continued daily in prayers. They continued in caring for one another's needs. They continued in unity. They continued in the faithfulness to the house of God, or the temple was where they worshiped God at that time. And they continued daily in praise. That sounds an awful lot like being a disciple. And becoming a disciple is a daily pursuit. The root word of disciple is the same root word as discipline. Discipline. For some of us, that's a very difficult word. It's a struggle in our flesh or with our flesh. Our, our battle is with us. The biggest enemy to our spiritual development that any of us will ever face is the person that looks at us in the mirror. But the commitment or the discipline to align to God's ways and to continue daily comes out of a love relationship. And when you love somebody, you want to do things with them and to please them. And you, you want to have this continued relationship. I saw some married couples look at each other and go, "Yeah." <laughs> okay, well, that's a whole other panel discussion that we may have later. But when you love God, you realize, I'm a child of God. I'm not just a servant of God. Servants don't necessarily serve out of love, but children should. I, I, I love my parents. I want to make sure they're taken care of. And so uh, here a while back, this is a very small Small example, but a while back, my, my mom had hurt her hand, but the dog had scratched her pretty badly, and so she had a big bandage on. So when I went to her house and saw a sink full of dishes, which never happens at my parents' house, I washed the dishes. Why? Because you see a need, something to be done in the house of your parents, and you do it. Out of love and concern and wanting to make sure that they're taken care of. We shouldn't serve because we think he's the taskmaster. It's about serving because he's our Father and loving him through our obedience. So, the first commandment is fulfilled in our daily pursuit of him to have that love of all that we are given over to him. And though, when we become disciples and we're on that path, continuing daily, that's when we can start putting into practice, effectively, the second great commandment. Jesus said the second commandment, namely this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is no other commandment greater than these two. As Brother Soto taught us that if we love somebody and care about them, if we love our neighbor, we're going to try to Get them out of that burning house or share the gospel. We motivated to help and get them out of the flames of eternity. There is no greater love than to share this gospel and lay down our lives to serve others. Jesus called the disciples first to follow him, but he tagged on, Follow me and then I will make you fishers. Of men, there's mission in his call to follow him. Now, I want to be real careful. We're not called to. We're uh, we're not asked to uh, asking others to follow us. By ourselves, Paul said, "Follow me only as I follow Christ." I'm not called to make disciples to myself. I'm called to make disciples to Jesus. And we've confused this a little bit sometimes because we get in these close relationships with people where we're helping them form their doctrinal understanding and maybe helping them with some life skills and things like that. There's there's all this stuff that we could talk about. We want to make sure that we are our, our mission is still focused on drawing them close to Jesus and modeling what it's like to continue daily you can't disciple someone on Wednesdays and Sundays. If you want to become a maker of disciples, it can't just happen in this space. Because if discipleship is about continuing daily, then they need to see you handle the apostles' doctrine and sit with you at tables in fellowship in the breaking of bread and continuing daily... Doing what it is that disciples do, praying and praising and enduring life's hardships. If you want to become a maker of disciples, it's not just about teaching a Bible study. Discipleship itself is not convenient. It's not convenient for those who choose to be disciples. It's not convenient for those who choose to make disciples. It be so much easier if all this ministry stuff, you know, if we could just do it ourselves and not have to show anybody else how to do it. Jesus himself said, how is it that you guys don't get it yet? Amen. Read the book of Mark. It's there a lot. Do you still not understand? And sometimes making disciples feels that way. I'm trying to teach you. I'm trying to show you. I'm trying to tell. It takes patience and long-suffering. If we are going to help others become disciples, but it is so worth it. It is so worth it. It's so worth it to birth, assist the birthing of a soul into the kingdom of God, and then from that point of initial salvation, to see them through as they learn and grow and become who God's called them to be. Man, it's such a privilege. It's such a privilege. And so tonight, I want to invite our panelists to the table. These are folks who have both effectively become and are growing as personal disciples and also are makers of disciples. I'd like Sister Sue Cronenberger and Brother Jeff Jardy and Sister Becca Heil to join me on the platform. That's right. Give them a hand. I've drafted some questions, but I've also, I I know that our, our panelists will add to what I, what I want to ask. Um, I hope we're not all going to speak at the same time. I've had enough chaos today and I think a lot of you have as well. Amen. Amen. So my first question for you, very learned folks, is what's the difference between coming to church and becoming a disciple
1: of Jesus? I'll go first. Uh, I think I have this on. Um, so I've heard it said that standing in the garage doesn't make you a Cadillac anymore than standing in a church makes you a Christian. I think other people probably heard that too. Um, it takes certain parts for something to be called a, a Cadillac, just like it takes uh, specific components to become a disciple of Christ or a Christian. First of all, of course, we must be born again. Water and spirit. Obey Acts two thirty-eight. 38. Uh, we have to be treating our daily walk like a lifestyle, not something that we can put down and pick up. Um, we have to take Deuteronomy 6, 5, and, 5 through 7 very seriously. It has to be a part of everything that we do, loving the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, might. Um, A a pro baseball player doesn't just walk into his first professional game and just do whatever he wants um, without ever having practiced. On the contrary, he'll have spent thousands and thousands of hours before he ever reaches that first game. Informal practices, lower level games, throwing the ball around, we have to have the same dedication to our walk with God, and uh, that helps us become a better disciple. Amen.
0: Amen. I enjoy the practical examples. Sister Sue, did you want to take that one as well?
2: Uh, sure. Um, I looked up the word disciple, and it says uh, student. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to be a disciple, you're going to have to be a, dis- a student of the word, and you're going to have to study the word. And, uh, bec- and then you become a leader, and you become a helper, and you want more and you're not satisfied with just coming and leaving. You want to leave, you know, do all you can and be involved. You want to teach. You want to help. You want to enjoy. You enjoy learning and, you're, and following what the word says. I think it's a commitment along with a relationship.
3: So coming to church is what we do three or four times a week. But that doesn't necessarily indicate uh, spiritual growth or growing any closer to God. Uh, coming to church, it requires sacrifice. You know, it does require sacrifice of our time. And if you want to go a little further, requires sacrifice of, of, of worship. And even a little further than that, requires sacrifice of uh, of even tithes. You know, um, you know, the sacrifice of time is is mandatory. But the sacrifice of worship and tithing that's Shouldn't be optional, but it is optional depending on, on, on how you look at it and where you, where you walk is. Uh, yeah, the Bible says that, that we as the body of Christ, are the church. Okay? Uh, and, and Hebrews even admonishes us to forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. But church is something we do. Uh, a disciple, however, is something we are. Okay? Becoming a disciple requires that we grow in spirit and in relationship to God. It requires us to deny ourselves daily, taking up our cross, Hating our father, mother, uh, wife, and children, okay, and following Him. So, that, you know, church is something we do. Whereas disciples are something we are.
0: Amen. We we've got to love Jesus more than anything else, yes. for sure, for sure. Um, it's difficult sometimes to know how well it's. It's kind of like you know the height of a child. Sometimes you don't even notice that they're growing until all of a sudden you go to the doctor for their annual physical and they've grown two inches and you don't see it day by day. So what are the landmarks of your discipleship journey? How do you measure how you're making progress?
3: Right. So I, I use the Bible as my measuring stick. Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fishes of men." And, uh, and as you have already pointed out, the root word of disciple or discipline is, is disciple. So, do I discipline myself daily? As I uh, do, I discipline myself daily, and I did deny myself, and allowing myself to grow in uh, knowledge and of God. Uh, am, am I a fisher of men? Um, am I kingdom minded? Have I contributed to the growth of the kingdom? Okay. These are the, the measuring sticks that I use. If I can answer yes to these questions, then I feel like I can say that I have progressed in, in my discipleship journey. Uh, the biggest landmark for me. Uh, would be, um, and Evelina included, would be uh, the, the work that we've done uh, in prison ministry. That would be the biggest landmark. Other landmarks would be Bible studies that I have uh, you know, that I've done at home. Um, and, you know, and and I'm also, we're currently conducting personal uh, celebrate recovery meetings uh, with, with uh, certain individuals. Uh, those would be you know, landmarks that, that I would have. Great.
0: Either of you ladies want to answer as well. What are... What are landmarks? How, do, how have you measured your personal discipleship?
2: The only thing I could think of was uh, with the people that we have witnessed to and they found God Joe and Carol Pinnell, Mike and Joni Schuler, Heidi Bix, uh, the little things like that, and uh, the things that we do in the church, how we pick up our cross and follow him in the church, where he teaches Sunday school class, we uh, become youth leaders, we. Um, Ladies' ministry, Eric and Valerie getting saved, uh, writing my book, uh, getting to talk to all these kids. I'm growing still, not, you know, all along the way, I'm trying to continue to do for God. Whatever God puts in my hands, I want to do it. That's my landmarks. I I always want to go forward. I never want to stop growing in God. I'm going to continually do something for God.
1: go back and forth between them. Um, so the biggest landmark for me, um, some of you may know this, but I grew up as a pastor's kid. And the biggest landmark for me is the days that I realized I believe this no matter what anybody else says, no matter what anybody else does. This is my, you know, this is my walk. I'm going to follow after God no matter what. And that's hard. That's hard whenever, you um, You know, it's easy to fall back on mom and dad's faith. Um, But when you have to make that decision for yourself, and there will come a time when you have to, um, that was the biggest landmark for me was the days that I realized this is mine. This is not just theirs. It doesn't matter what they do. This is mine.
0: Amen. I agree with that. And um, before our, our wonderful sound man kills us, let's turn the microphones toward the wall and not toward the monitors. That would probably help. Um, I want to add just one thing to that. Thank you. There are times that uh, you think about, you know, before Jesus taught me that lesson, I would have responded like this. And after the Lord taught me that lesson or I saw it in the Word, the response is different. That's growth. Don't forget to celebrate and mark those moments. You know, if you keep a journal, write it down. Today, I responded differently than I ever would have when I was in the world. God has made a difference in me so that I respond differently. That's a good good landmark, good landmarks. Thank you all for sharing. I appreciate that. Um, The next question that I have is, you know, we are... Even though you're up here you your examples as disciples of Jesus, and we can look to you as examples as you follow Christ, how are you still being intentional about that pursuit? How are you continuing daily? And if there are tools or resources that help you with that discipline, please share those as well. I'm sure we'd all like to hear how you, how you work that.
2: Uh, I try to take every opportunity to share the gospel. Um, Prayer is the main thing, the word, having the word in your heart. Um, Being intentional, making sure that you're faithful to the house of God every time the doors are open. Uh, And even though I don't make it to prayer meeting every time the doors are open, I do have a prayer life, and I couldn't live without it. I mean, prayer is a very important, uh, intentional thing that, i make sure it's in my life and um i think that's
1: it <laughs> yeah so some of the things that help me of course always getting in the word uh continued prayer i have to schedule time to follow through um that that that's a big thing for me and i felt uh that I just needed to share my struggles with everybody as we talked about this. Because no matter what the resource is that you are using in your walk and your discipleship, whether it's a new book from a great author or anything, if you don't actually follow through with it, um, you've wasted your your time picking it out and you've wasted your money purchasing it or whatever, whatever the case may be. Um, So like I said, I'm talking to myself here because I like the beginnings of things. I like to plan things out and say, "Ooh, I'm going to do this. And I have all of these great plans. um, And then I don't follow through. I'm really bad about that. Uh, This isn't an area we can neglect, of course. We have to be effective at being intentional in our walk um, because we can't pour from an empty cup. I'd
3: like to add on to that that part about struggle. Mm I, I, I'm a morning person. I, I, I love the morning, so I like to do things, you know, early in the morning. But I also, at the same time, I love my sleep. You know, I like to sleep as late as I can possibly sleep, and it only takes me about 15 minutes to get ready for work. You know, I have to be to work. Uh, I have to leave my house at by 5:40 to make it to work on time. Uh, that means if I get up at 5:20, I have plenty of time to get ready for work. You know. So, However, you know, I, I have an alarm set for 4.30. You know, so this is how I'm intentional is because I have an alarm set for 4.30 because uh, I, like you know, I like to get up and pray and, and seek the will of God. And the reason for that is because I want to be able to, to be sensitive unto this, the, this, the moving of God. If he happens to bring somebody in my life uh, during the day that he wants me to minister to or disciple in, in some way or share the, share the gospel with, I want to be sensitive to that. So I just try to start the morning off with prayer struggle comes in and i'm not gonna lie to you over the over the platform here you know there are times when i hit snooze until 5 20. you know and, and, and there are times that it, it, it's still but the the intentionality the the spirit is willing you know but the, you know the flesh is you know the flesh is weak you know add add to that you know the uh, I, I used to not you know i love to sleep and i love to eat you know and uh, so i used to not fast you know, unless we you know we had a twenty one day fast that pastor would call. But you know, over the past couple of years I've year actually, uh instituted a, a you know, and I'm not bragging, lifting myself up or, or anything like that. I'm just trying to remain humble. But we have it in our house we have a two day two day a week fast. Two, twice a week we we fast and we're, we're intentional about that. All to the fact of learning how to be sensitive to the spirit of God. And to be you know, to be leading, to be led to that, that person who might need to uh, be discipled, or you know, might need to hear the gospel, or, or or something encouraging of the word for that day. Uh, podcasts, I like podcasts f- you know, for you know, resources uh, po- outside of the Bible. In uh, podcast, one of my favorite ones is David Bernard's Apostolic Life in the 21st Century. That's a that's a really good uh, podcast for for disciple uh, discipleship.
0: Amen. I like that one as well.
1: I just wanted to add, if you struggle with that as well, obviously you need to be praying to the Lord for help for it. That's what I've started doing, but I want to prepare you because I told Sister Melissa this this past week <laughs> that when you start praying for that, he will wake you up. He will wake you up at the same time every single night. It may be 3.15, Um, so be prepared for that whenever you pray. He will help you. He absolutely will, but you're not going to go back to sleep until you get it done, so just be prepared for that, okay? Amen.
0: That is so true, and I try, like when I go to bed at night, I try to say, Lord, please wake me up. Help me to wake up in the morning so that I can talk to him. And I'm like Brother Jeff and everybody else, every other human in here, sometimes that snooze button is very attractive. Mm-hmm. Uh, even when I can't see it without my glasses on, it's... <laughs> but but this, this mission of discipleship, discipleship is not part of our Christian lives. Discipleship is the life that we're living as a disciple. It's part of how... It's, it is how we... Live as Christians. So, um, I want to transition. In, you know, we've we've talked about this personal life, but everything that we do for Jesus maps back to either we're pursuing God on our own or we're drawing others to God. Um, wh- however, that manifests in your calling. So, I want I would like you to share when and how did you realize that you had become a disciple maker?
2: I was very young. I had four of my own children and had my two sisters come to live with us. We had uh, custody of them. They were about 12 and they were twins and uh, they were broken like I was broken, but God had started healing me on my journey and to lead them to Christ and let them know how God could help them to overcome all the brokenness because he did it for me. That was the first time I realized that there's I can help others uh, to find the way, yes. and then I started feeling a real burden for that. And we uh, on bus ministry, we met this little girl named Heidi, and she was so broken. And I don't know, God has given me a real feeling for empathy for people. I have a real empathetic heart, mm-hmm. and uh, I can feel people's hurt. And Heidi, I could feel her hurt. And I started working with her, and she got saved, and it was beautiful. And to share, when you share your things that you went through, people can relate. So when you're going to become a disciple, you're going to have to be open. You're going to have to share some things that maybe you've gone through, Mm -hmm. and then they're going to relate to that. I'll never forget Valerie when she sat at the table And she started crying like a baby because I was testifying to her. And she said, she's never heard anybody talk about that before. And she said, I need this so badly. God led me to you. And so sometimes you're going to have to open up. It's going to have to talk about things that aren't so pleasant so that you can help them understand God healed you. He can do it for them. And that's discipleship. You have to really open up and reach.
1: Once again, I grew up in a pastor's home, but he wasn't just a pastor. He was a home missions pastor. Um, Soul winning permeated everything that we did. Uh, I can remember being very young, and Bible studies were just part every night. You know, we had a Bible study. And I helped, I learned very early about hospitality in disciple making from my mom, who always had warm cookies and something going as we were talking about the word, but the thing I always loved was getting to turn, turn the pages on Exploring God's Word, <laughs> and that, that was a huge deal for me. And sitting there and just soaking up what was being said and eventually getting to the point where I was taking part in the conversations and assisting, you know, the family mission again was the mission. Um, but I fully stepped into my calling, on May 24th of 2011, and October 9th of 2013. That's when my children were born. And that was the day that I promised the Lord that no matter what, these girls were going to know the truth as they grew up. Awesome. Um, yeah, it's my first and most important duty. That, that, that was, like I said, the day that I really just stepped into it. And um, they may make different decisions when they get older, but I'm doing what I've been called to do. By telling them what's in
3: the Word. Amen. I just want to share this a little off topic a little bit. If you bear with me, I don't know if you realize it or not, but uh, there's, a, there's between the three of us, we have different stories, but it's all in unity. Yes. And, and, and that's, how, that's how God works. That's what I was praying for back there. Sister yes. so Melissa was speaking. I said, Lord, let us come up there with three different people, but let us be of one mind and one accord. Let us have, be, let the words that we can. Be of you in in, in unity, uh, and, and I, I think we're we're seeing that tonight. Um, I, I don't know when or or how how it happened for me when I realized I was a disciple maker. It just sort of happened. Uh, I've been in church for almost 30 years now, and a uh, long time ago I was praying, and I felt God to you know God was telling me to read. Read Mark 16. I was new with, with the Bible. I didn't really know how many chapters were in, were in the Book of Mark. I'm like, no, there's only 15 chapters in Mark. There's, you know, that's that's not of God. So I kept on praying, and I felt impressed. Read Mark 16. I was like, stop saying that because there's not 16 chapters in Mark. And you know, three <laughs> times I said, or several times I said, I, I prayed for you know, like an hour, and it was. I got finished praying. And it was impressed upon me again. Read Mark 16. I was like, fine, whatever. I'll, it's not there, but I'll open up to the Book of Mark and. There's 16 chapters of Mark. <laughs> <laughs> so, and uh, I, I, I flipped over to, to Mark 16:15, 15, uh, where it says, uh, Go ye into all the world, preach the gospel to every nation. And uh, you know, I kept that in, the, in the back of my mind, I felt that that, that was the, the call for me to do something. And there, then a, a sister of the church approached me a long time ago, and this goes, coincides with Sister, with sister uh, Sue said that uh, I, I have been through some things. And she said that, that the things that you have been through, God is going to use you to help minister other, to other people. And I said, no, that's not going to happen. I denied that because nobody needs to know between me and God what I have been through. Nobody needs to know that. I went to a pastor's, pastor's office a while ago and I said you know mark 1615 been on my mind I said pastor I, I feel led to 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 be a minister to to you know to 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 preach and you know and he in his wisdom you're know, reminding me hey ministry is not always behind the pulpit and he asked me some questions. What are you doing now? He goes, Are you, are you praying at the altar for people? Are you are. Are you talking to people? Are you, are you holding Bible studies? And the answer to all of that was no. I wasn't doing any of that. He goes, Well, you need to start doing that. Then that's when your ministry starts. And so I started doing that. Um, and I, I don't know how it had. We were invited to a prison ministry conference. The pastor gave us the permission to go. We, we, we did that, and and uh, we felt led to, to to go in that direction. And I don't know when or how I became a disciple maker. or all of a sudden, I just went through all of the doors that were open for us, uh, open for me. And next thing I know, Pastor says the other day, "Hey, he's a fisher of men," you know. And I guess that's what I just—I guess I discovered it. Hey. I love it. Yeah. So, just fairly recently. So, but uh, yeah, that's basically how it happened for me.
0: Amen. Amen. That's when you knew when Pastor said you were a fisher of men. I love it. That- it's interesting because I, I, I love what, what you all shared and how it all, again, dovetails together. But Sister Sue, you know, I, I think it, what you shared is such a good example yes. Yes. of the beginning of that disciple-making process. Because you may not feel like an expert on teaching a Bible study. You. But you are the only expert on your testimony yes. that exists. Amen. You can share... What God has done for you and it will change lives and it will be that initiation witnessing is not the same as discipleship it's that entry process when we witness we open the door for someone else to become a disciple and it's that call where where the Lord is reaching through us to call someone into a place of relationship and discipleship I just love that so much all you have to do is open your mouth and be obedient How do you measure, again, effectiveness as a disciple-maker? What does success look like when you are making disciples?
2: I think it looks like people that you've witnessed to, people that you've mentored, they're still serving the Lord. And that is beautiful. And your children, your grandchildren, not all of them, they're not all serving the Lord. But there are portions of them that are serving the Lord. And uh, Joe and Carol Pinnell still preaching. and They're not preaching. They're ministering in California. Um, you know, different ones that are still working for the Lord and still living for God. You know, and that to me that gives me great joy when I see somebody still going on and living for God. And that's the only way that I can...
3: Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. You know, while, while Jesus walked on this earth, his focus wasn't on saving people. Uh, his focus was on making disciples. Okay. Yeah. He, made, you know, he made disciples uh, who, who were the foundation of the church. And those disciples uh, in turn made disciples who in turn made disciples. Yeah. So the success of a disciple maker is the person that you're discipling turns around and makes a disciple himself. So that's, that's, the, that's how I measure the, the effectiveness and the success of a disciple maker. Yeah.
0: I'm going to let you in on a little trick that I, um, I wrote that as a trick question. Mm-hmm. Because effectiveness is a little bit different than success. Mm-hmm. And so effective, effective discipleship, I think, is what you all have described. Mm-hmm. When you see the effectiveness of the word going forth and then the harvest that that is reaping and continuing to multiply in people's lives. But success is really about my faithfulness to God. My faithfulness to his word. I'm not going outside the truth as I share things with people. And then my faithfulness to what he's called me to do. So my success is, is about what I can control. Right? I can control whether or not I'm faithful to God. I can control whether or not I'm faithful to his word as I'm trying to disciple someone else. And I can control whether or not I'm faithful to the call of God on my life as it's playing out in someone else's life. But my effectiveness looks a lot like harvest. How effective is that word that's going forth? And it's not even mine. I can't claim it. It's about what God's doing and watching that come back and also standing in the knowledge that someone makes a different choice that is on them and not on on me. If I have done everything that I can do, then that is all that I can do. That's it. Right. Parents, that's true for you too. Yes.
2: Yes.
0: Pastor told shared with me a long time ago. Adam and Eve had the very best father. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: There couldn't have been a better father. (laughs) And they still made a different decision. (laughs) We've got to remember that we have limitations. But we we have a responsibility to do the best that we can do in being faithful to God, faithful to the message, and faithful to his call on our lives. Amen. I didn't mean to set you up, but that was kind of a trick question. So what tools or resources have you used that have enhanced your ability to be a disciple maker?
1: Uh, Practice. Practice is huge. Um, The more you do it, the easier it gets. If you've never taught a Bible study before, I would encourage you to pick one up and practice at home with the family. Uh, Make that part of devotional, and and that's such a huge part of making disciples is encouraging learning and knowledge. Um, For the disciples that I'm trying to uh, make in my own home, uh, a big thing for me is having a Christian education curriculum. Um, This is something that I felt very strongly called to do. um, Was again a private Christian education at home. Uh, We utilize a curriculum that Jake actually graduated from, and uh, the Bible is a part of everything we do because of that. And it's amazing. We, um, it gives us confidence to continue. Uh, We know that you know the the girls are hearing what they need to hear every single day. Um, Maybe you're a parent and you haven't been called to private education or to homeschooling education, um, but you can still provide your kids, your little disciples at home with daily instruction. I want you to think for just a minute about how many hours they spend away from you a week. At least 40, if, if they're not homeschooled, which is fine, but at least 40. And then I want you to think about how many people are pouring into their heads. And how many um, TV ads are pouring into their heads, and how many TikToks are pouring into their heads? And um, ask yourself if you're trying to make an effort to combat any of that. Are are you giving them more than the hour or two on Wednesday and Sunday? And if the answer is no, then how can we improve upon that? Um, you know, I, I I encourage you to make a concerted effort to bring the word into your home, to bring prayer into your home, worship music into your home. Um, that, that's a huge deal. Uh, there's, there's things like playing the guess who game. Uh, if your kids are little, you know, while you're driving down the road, maybe take a, a, a minute and list off some things from the Bible, a Bible character, and see if they can remember who it is. Um, those are just little things that we try to do as much as possible, um, and that's helped us to try to be intentional with our children in particular.
0: I'm just going to put in a plug here. I'll, I'll let you guys respond as well. But um, kids of If you're looking for a curriculum that you can use in your home to help people, help kids stay focused on one item of, of biblical character or integrity, kidsofintegrity.com can be a very helpful resource. So I love what that, I love that. Absolutely. Anybody else want to share resources you've used?
3: really good resource uh, and it was actually passed out in this church um, hopefully you guys had, had received it or, or, or looked at it uh, Stan Gleason wrote a book uh, follow to lead follow to lead it's about discipleship and uh, disciple making uh, really really good book uh, has a lot of encouraging uh, insight into it and helps you it'll actually if you read it it gives you a desire to want to go out and be a disciple maker uh, that's a really good resource that that, that I rely on I have a, I've marked in it, made notes in it and underlined all kinds of stuff in it as I was reading it. And I was recently reading it again and thought, well, why didn't I underline this the first time? I started underlining it some more. So it's a really good book.
2: Okay. I think the things, the tools, faithful attendance to church, when the doors are open, try to be there. I'll tell you a story. When we were young, we never missed church. When, we, from the time I married Ronnie, when the doors were open, we were here. And that's, I'm not kidding you. He never missed a church service unless he was really bad sick. But we would have a fight at home and we would come to church and the preacher would preach on what we were fighting about (laughs) or talk about what we were arguing about. I was like looking at him like, you call pastor. (laughs) No, no. Did you call pastor? No. No. But I'm telling you, when you come to the house of God, God is going to talk to that man right over there and to the ministerial staff, and they are going to hear from God about what the congregation needs. That's their job. That's what they're they're prayerfully looking to do every time you come in this door to minister to your needs and to your uh, desires and and the things that you're going through. So be faithful to the house of God. You're going to get fed. You're going to get the word of God to help you to get through that. And that was one main tool. Study the word. Memorize the word. Mm -hmm. So when Satan comes at you and you don't have your Bible next to you, you can throw the word back at him. You can pray the word. I pray the word. You said, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that's how I pray. You said, Pray the word uh, your prayer life is really, really important. Um, be faithful let's see to the house of God faithfulness is a very important let's see God speaks to the pet okay all right I already said that. <laughs> be hungry to learn and study. that's why I like to come to the house of God. I, I'm hungry to learn yes. even though I've maybe heard that before, there's always something new I can get out of it. Yes. every time I hear a different scripture, are the same scripture. There's something new they found in that scripture that they you know, tell me about, and it's really great. So read your Bible. Develop a relationship with God through prayer. Speak in a spirit when you have private prayer. It's God speaking on your behalf through prayer. Prayer is building a relationship with God. It's like talking to a friend, talking to your wife, talking to your boyfriend. You're talking, you're communicating, you're talking to God, you're communicating, you're building a relationship Mm -hmm. with God. That's a tool, a tool. Uh, I have a little something here I have on my desk. This is on my desk. It says, don't just invite people to church. Mm -hmm. Invite people to lunch. Mm -hmm. Invite people to your table or to your patio. Invite them into your life there be there for them we not the building are the church and if you're really going to disciple somebody that's what's going to it's going to take a sacrifice on your part it's going to take time you're going to have to mentor them you're going to have to make dinner for them you're going to you know you're going to really need to go the extra mile and uh if you do that you're going to make a friend and they're going to make a friend with jesus christ and you're going to disciple them and they're going to get saved All right, thank you.
0: I could have just had sisters who preach that little part Mm -hmm. and we'd be Mm -hmm. done tonight. Mm -hmm. Because what it sounded like is that the best way to become a disciple maker is to be an excellent disciple yourself. And everything that we do should be flowing from God and then from the overflow of our relationship with him as others are drawn to him through us. My final question is, uh, and, and part of what Sister Sue shared goes down this road as well. But what advice do the three of you have for those who are either wanting to draw closer to God and be a better disciple or become disciple makers who are making a difference in others' lives?
3: Don't wait. Mm-hmm. That's it's what it comes down to. As for becoming a, disi- a disciple... You need to take a look at Luke chapter 9, verses 57 through uh, 62. Jesus had called certain people to follow him, and each wanted to wait uh, before following him. One wanted a security and a place to sleep. One wanted to bury his father and take care of uh, household affairs, get household affairs in order. The other one wanted to uh, say goodbye to loved ones. Uh, Each passed up the immediate opportunity to become a disciple and wanted to wait for for a more convenient time. Well, a convenient time may not come. Yeah. Jesus, called it, Jesus called the apostles, and he said, uh, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And the book of Mark says, immediately, they left their boats, they left their nets, and followed him. Yeah. Uh, don't wait. Uh, as for becoming a disciple maker, get started as soon as you have the Holy Ghost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't have to wait, wait to be called of God. You don't have to wait for God to say, I want you to be a disciple maker, because he already told us yeah, to make disciples did. in yeah. Matthew 28, 19. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, you don't have to uh, wait. Don't, don't wait until you get your, your life's ducks in a row because the devil is going to keep scrambling them all up. Okay? You know, don't wait until you have all the answers to all the Bible questions because okay? you're not going to have all the, all the answers. Okay? The early church didn't have all the answers, okay? but they went out and made disciples. They were on-the-job training. Okay? So that, that's, that's what this is. It's on-the-job training. It's okay to say, I don't know. Yes. It's okay to say, I don't know the answer, but let me study on it and, and, or even let me go ask my pastor to find out the answer to that question because it helps you learn as well. Yes. Okay? Uh, and you gain, you gain knowledge and understanding. So the basic advice, don't wait. Good job.
1: Good job. Um, of course, going back to all things, going back to prayer, fasting, getting in the word, that's going to make you a better disciple, better disciple maker. But another thing I, I was reminded of was, get involved in the local body. Make connections with people that are already here, um, and you'll be surprised at how much you learn just by um, washing dishes in the kitchen after a fundraiser, or mopping the floor after a fundraiser, or helping move chairs. So much of our fellowship is done during the work because we're, you know, we're together. And I love that the body of Christ does that, but it edifies as well because I've learned things about people and from people, uh, that are much wiser than I am just during that time. So one of the things, like I said, that I wanted to encourage was to get involved in the local body, see where you can serve, see where you can, uh, be involved and, uh, just make that a goal.
2: be faithful
0: Amen amen that's so true did yes. you enjoy this tonight Has this been helpful I want to thank I want to thank our panelists they've been working on this for several weeks and so thank you for putting your notes together and putting your heads together and making this such a unified and cohesive presentation for everybody. Um, thank you very much you guys can go back to your seats. We appreciate you. This is part of our Christian Life and Leadership series. Um, We're going to continue this again in a couple weeks. We'll have another topic to share with you. And I, I I want us to be focused, laser focused, on growing personally in our Christian life but also in how we're leading. Someone is following you. Someone is watching your life. Somebody in the workplace is saying, There's something different about her. There's something unique about him. i got to know what they've got that I don't. Those conversations still happen. Someone is following you. And so you may not feel like right now you're called to lead in terms of being in front of this congregation, but you're leading somebody, even if it's just yourself. We all need that leadership training, even if it's just to lead us. And not let ourselves go astray. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand. I believe that God has helped some of us and challenged some of us, and I, I I just pray that we don't forget. You know, we we are so forgetful as a as a as humanity. We can so easily forget the most important things. So let's let's pray that God would help us to remember to do the work of remembering, so that this becomes not just a part of our walk, but that it becomes our walk with God. Jesus, you've been so good to us to bring us back together again. Lord, we are in all sorts of stages of development spiritually, Jesus, and I pray that you will continue to help us and grow us challenge us, convict us, Lord Jesus. I pray that you would continue to convict me in my growth and development as a disciple, Lord Jesus. God, that you will help me, Lord, as I press in, as I pursue your presence, Jesus that you'll continue to work with me, continue, Lord, to keep me on the potter's wheel, Lord, and make your image in my life, Lord Jesus. I pray for all of these folks, Lord, that we would become the kind of disciples who will endure unto the end, Lord Jesus. God, we want most of all to see you, Lord, to be with you for all of eternity, Lord Jesus. And God, we want to bring others with us, Lord. Make us the kind of disciple-makers that you've designed us to be. God, make us fishers of men even as you promised your disciples, Lord Jesus. Open our eyes to the needs of those around us, Lord, and the ways that you can meet their need through us, Jesus. Help us, oh God, to be focused on the mission of the church, Lord Jesus, both in how it ministers to us, but also in how we live as the church outside these four walls to see lives changed, to see people healed, Lord God, to see the, this world, this city, turned upside down by the gospel, Lord Jesus, to see revival in Belleville and revival, Lord, in Swansea, Lord Jesus, and revival in Shiloh, Lord God, revival across this area. Lord Jesus. We want to see your will be done. We want to see your kingdom come, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. We thank you, God. I pray that you'd go with my brothers and sisters from this house. Bring us back together at the appointed time. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen.